inside game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moran, and my brother J.S. to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you through those high seas of life. Welcome today to Bioblast number seven, bite-sized tastes of notable men. And this ought to be Subtitled in our 140th podcast, Wolfgang and Eddie Obsession. These, these biographical appetizers or diverse, if you will, of the lives of the rich and the poor, the famous, the infamous, the notorious and glorious, or perhaps stories of people like you, like me, well, not like us, really. Anyway, we return to the story of Eddie Van Halen because... The story is truly such an interesting tale, a multi-dimensional tale of torment and talent, genius and Freudian levels of anxiety, vast achievement and total failure, confidence brewing within a large vat of insecurity, obsession and insanity. Another notable example of what we have called Terry Billita, the torture of the talented. Does it have to be this way? Well, fellow um, bandmate Sammy Hager, for one, confirms and paints a picture of Eddie as gifted, talented, brilliant, but erratic, tormented, and duplicitous. The most inventive guitarist since Jimi Hendrix, master of the idiosyncratic um, tapping technique taken up by many soloists thereafter. Eddie Van Halen suffered from lifelong neuroses, social anxieties, insecurities that were likely nurtured unhelpfully by by a wayward, lifelong alcoholic father who provided Eddie with his first drink of vodka to relax him. Hey, thanks, Dad. Eddie was 12. As for Eddie's mother, well, she was a mother that Dickens could appreciate, that he might have constructed. And whether it be a story Eddie might tell from his um, perspective or the story his mother would tell from hers, no doubt there would exist within this story, mother and son, old, smoldering, smoking moments of a deep burning anger from, from within the darkest furies of the Hades of her soul. She exhumed the corpse of criticism sufficient to regularly remind Eddie, you are and will always be a nothing nut, just like your father. I have to tell you, this is not not a helpful, productive signal sent an insecure little boy when such an insipid message is delivered by a supposedly loving mother. It is confusing and it is destructive by intent. And and this kind of poisonous, venomous messaging is often found to have been in the upbringing of of sadistic serial killers. You know, Eddie, he turned all that hatred inwardly and directed it all against himself. 
the same destructive result is produced when a wicked mother repeatedly tells her son, you'll never be as good as your father. You'll never amount to anything. Either way, this is a distinction without a difference, really. And it's these kind of, of stings that wound that have implications and leave an indelible mark on young, impressionable children, as was Eddie Van Halen. Paraphrasing Freud, um, but keeping in mind, I am, <laughs> I am a retired insurance salesman, so the accuracy of my recollection of Freud's intent will be close in the same way that Earth is close to Neptune from a galactic perspective, but Eddie's unexpressed emotions wouldn't ever die. They were to be buried alive and only would manifest themselves in Eddie, reveal themselves later in uglier, far more self-destructive fashion. It is not uncommon, and not a, you know, in a not uncommon reaffirmation of the cycle of life, Eddie Van Halen concurrently suffered from lifelong addictions to, to alcohol, to cocaine, and to cigarettes, you know, accented by reliance upon regular usage of other drugs, whether they be prescription or otherwise, just, just to make it through another ordinary every day in the life of Eddie Van Halen. And while it was probably cigarettes that ultimately killed him, it is safe to say his other addictions just ruined his life. His quest for greatness, honorable when under control, but manic when the obsession takes control, cost him his wife, cost him a number of his mates, and drove him mad. There's no doubt about it. You know, Nietzsche's famous caution to the few people as talented as was Eddie Van Halen, but whom hovered too long, too close to the edge of things, you know, beware that when fighting monsters, you yourself do not become a monster. For when you gaze long into the abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. That's what Nietzsche told us. Well, he told us something like that. Periodically, Eddie would completely self-destruct. And perhaps he was experiencing just one of those manic moments post-Japanese tour when I witnessed his psychic breakdown and animalistic wailing on that UAL flight from Tokyo to San Francisco in 1998. Maybe that was all it was. In Euripides words, and again, this is from the voice of a, a former insurance salesman, whom the gods would first destroy, they first make mad. Yet Eddie Van Halen's story is, is quite a tale, actually. It might even be a fable. His parents had come from the Netherlands to Pasadena, California in 1962. And they came, they came with $50 in their pockets and a piano. Eddie was seven and, and barely spoken a word of English at, the mo at that time. He and his older brother, Alex, who was two years older, I, I believe, the products of a mixed marriage, their mother was an Asian, and they were bullied and terrorized on school playgrounds. And Eddie couldn't fight back. He couldn't even speak back. And as a result, he tended to shy, Eddie did, away from social activities, preferring to live and die alone with his musical instruments, alone in his room. A scary concept. You know, his parents wanted Eddie 
and Alex both to be classical pianists. And at a young age, despite the fact that he could not read music, Eddie won first place at the annual, annual pianist competition that was held at um, Long Beach City College every year from 1964 to 1967. But following the Beatles' famous appearance on, on the Ed Sullivan Show and the subsequent uh, British invasion, as it was, it was then known, uh, that followed, and including the rise in particular of the Dave Clark Five, Eddie declared to his parents, Ixnay on all this piano stuff, and he demonstrated no further interest in continuing on with classical piano. Eddie immediately switched his love and his obsession to the guitar, to which he grew obsessively committed over time and played nearly every waking hour and from whence developed his foremost desire, foremost dream to become a rock star, a rock legend. As the legend of King Midas suggests, careful, careful now, be careful of what you pray for. For one might not be so happy when one's dream is fulfilled. The cost of attainment often proves obscenely high. King Midas had asked the god Dionysius for the power to turn everything he touched into gold. And guess what? Dionysius granted Midas's wish. He thought he had experienced great good fortune. Yet he soon became aware that he needed to regret that wish because everything he touched, he was punished. Everything he touched, all food, all loved ones, they were turned into gold. That's what he wanted, everything to be turned into gold, sacrificing everything to obsession. So be careful. You know, this reminds me of a story um, uh, about a child prodigy turned living legend that was Mozart. I add only for color that I once attended a classical mu musical performance at Mozart's home in Vienna. And if you've, if you've listened to any of this series of prior podcasts, I know that when I declare that I know nothing, nothing about classical music, you will not find that shocking news because Quoting Colonel Clink from the classic Hogan's Heroes TV program that ran for like six years beginning in the mid-60s. Um, I'm like Colonel Clink, and I truly know nothing. Uh, I know nothing about classical music. But I do know that Johann Christomus, Wolfgangus Theophilus Mozart, that was his name. He was a European rock star, a rock god in the 18th century, 200 years before the term was applied to the Beatles or Mick Jagger at all. Mozart was, was the man. He was the man, even when he was the kid, playing in front of the imperial courts at age seven, eight, nine. A prolific composer, Mozart had 800 compositions to his credit by the time he died. And he was renowned for his abilities. He was supported by the emperor and completely fawned over by ladies of the court. Whenever and wherever he was to appear, hysteria followed. I mean, this, this sounds like modern rock stars. And due to the support um, granted him by the royals, even the great Mozart was expected, though, to do what we commonly 
know now and refer to as the, you know, quick post-performance meet and greets, you know, of the lucky friends of the emperor and the empress who'd, who'd have been fortunate enough to make that short list of those to be escorted backstage to be shuffled in front of Mozart, the great man himself, you know, wherein they'd, um, um, they'd meet the maestro, compliment him on his fabulous performance, and, and where after having thanked him for um, the, where he thanked them for the compliments, you know, the honored guests would then be shuffled on to make time for the next fortunate concert attendee to pay his respects to the great maestro. You know, the usual drill for rock stars. And I might add that Mick Jagger, with all his experience and savvy, the great businessman that he is, he learned the value of such meet and greets and accepted them as just part of doing business, making money. How you doing? Thank you very much. Glad you could come. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that sort of thing. That's what Mick Jagger did. But in 1775 or thereabouts, a woman at one of these one of these backstage meet and greets, a female member of the royal family, struggling with words, so, so overcome by emotions was she by, by Mozart's performance that night that the woman, you know, dressed in her most elegant evening gown could only, only blurt out to, my, to Mozart, oh, maestro, I'd give my life to perform like you did tonight, to which Mozart re- responded, I did. Hmm, Mozart was dead at 35. Eddie Van Halen's commitment to the guitar was to the great and everlasting chagrin of both his parents and that of his elderly classical pianist teacher, whom years later, when Eddie had already at a young age been lionized, was already a legend, and he was considered on the short list of the greatest guitar players in all rock and roll history. Van Halen's band, then the hottest, largest rock and roll band in the world, Eddie had a chance encounter and ran into his his old classical pianist teacher, and now a very old piano teacher, at a coffee shop in Southern California. And after exchanging a few words of, of hello, having recognized each other, his former piano teacher hung his head in dismay, practically in disgust, and still unhappy with Eddie's decision to have forsaken classical piano, said to Eddie, you know, Eddie, it's too bad, really. You could have become somebody. Yeah, well, and on that note, we will end Bioblast number seven, the story of Mozart and his connection by obsession with the great Mozart. We'll be back with more. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Bye-bye. As I get older, picture grows clear. Too many whiskeys, women, and beer. Nights have proved trouble, but mornings are worse. Nothing I've done 
that's ever quenched my thirst I'm all alone, just in my room The curtains are closed, overcome by the gloom Times like these, I just have to admit Nothing of myself, not one little bit So come on, sweet ladies, walk over my way I'm a new man, starting today Tomorrow will be different Meet a woman of means I changed the man I became in my teens No more whiskeys, women or beer I'll get a job, I'll kick it in gear I squandered my life, wasted my All I ever needed was a partner in crime I'll be there for her, you just wait and see I'll be the man I've always wanted to be So come on, sweet ladies, waltz over my way I'm a new man starting today. One more beer for old time's sake. I'll be a new man when tomorrow I wake. Let's just enjoy that last sip of beer I'll be unrecognizable by the end of the year Time has grown short, the years have rolled by Opportunity wasted, and I just don't know why Day I walk, but all I can say is I've paid the price for living this way. So come on, sweet ladies, waltz over my way. I'm a new man, starting today.